the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle. I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. As you know, there's been a proposal for a, a budget for the, the King County Regional Homelessness Authority. It's like a, a, a billion dollars, and there's still a debate over how to spend this money best. There's an organization called We Heart Seattle, which I find interesting because it's it's a collection of people from various parts of the political spectrum. One of them is Andrea Suarez. And Andrea, you you were describing yourself to you you're describing this organization as a collection of uh, Democrats, progressives, Republicans, independent. What is your approach to the whole homelessness and drug problem here? Yeah, we are an apolitical organization. Uh, We've been boots on the ground for two years here in Seattle, uh, providing a platform for volunteerism to clean up our our shared spaces. We've cleared over 780,000 pounds of trash from our parks and shared spaces, picked up over 20,000 needles. And in doing that, for me, as a person that is not very civic-minded or plugged into city politics at all prior, was like, we have an addiction problem in our city and in many cities across our nation, and it shouldn't be political. And I just started uh, being noisy about what I was finding. And like, for example, I was going into the needle exchange program and saying, where's the exchange part of your program? Why am I picking up all these needles in our parks? I mean, that's kind of how it all started a couple years ago. And now today, we have a very strong advocacy arm which includes co-founding, um, along with Michael Schellenberger and 22 other organizations across North America, um, a coalition called North America Recovers, with a emphasis on recovery first, treatment first, and then make people housing ready. I have put people in housing, in hotels, in tiny houses, fully furnished apartments during my volunteer effort here in Seattle, and if I and almost 100%, if folks hadn't sought treatment, they're back out on the streets, 100%. Well, your organization is interesting to me because Michael Schellenberger, who we've talked to before, he he thinks that progressives have uh, basically blown the whole homelessness thing. You described yourself to me as a bleeding-heart liberal. So <laughs> what what makes your approach different from what we've been seeing here in Seattle? Well, I mean, I think I was uneducated. I wasn't educating myself. Um, I am, you know, grew up uh, grew up in either San Francisco, Portland, or Seattle. Those are my three cities I've lived in my whole life. Always have kind of voted the same way. Um, you know, so, more social services, always good, help people who are in need, good. But that seems to be failing, and I think my party is fed up. You know, in fact, we don't feel like we have a party. I think both sides don't feel like they have a party right now. And the direct action strategy of using uh, these cleanups to kind of disrupt, excuse me, disrupt and question the status quo, I just go back on my own personal experience. This isn't something I read from a Harvard business, you know, journal or medical review. And Michael Schellenberger is very well studied and well well-read and a, a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, he's very data-driven, and I'm very, you know, boots-on-the-ground practice-driven. And together we make this incredible team, and I'm happy to announce he has joined our board of directors. Yeah. All right, so what do you think of the Regional Homelessness Authority, and where do you, how do you think this, this billion-dollar budget – well, first of all, do you think they need that much money, and where, sh- where should it be spent? Well, if money was the solution, wouldn't we have solved this 20 years ago? <laughs> Good point. And, 
I mean, every major city keeps getting more millions and billions of, of money. Meanwhile, we can stand up 20,000 beds in New York City for the refugees that are coming in from Ukraine with services and toilets and bathrooms and medical care and nurses. We did it then. We did it at 9-11. You know, the Salvation Army came together in Nova Scotia and helped 8,000 people get shelter overnight. A bit different when you're dealing with drug addiction. And that is what King County Regional Housing Authority doesn't address at all. We have to stand up, and I am looking forward to learning more about these CCCs, Community Crisis Centers, I think they're called, which uh, will provide some sort of 24-7 friction-free access for people to get addiction treatment and um, psychiatric care, mm-hmm. much like the Albertans are doing. Uh, the Albertans also came to Seattle for this retreat we hosted here in uh, January 6th, 7th, 8th. Uh, we had 160 people turn out for dinner and join us uh, to celebrate the work of these unsung heroes in our in our country. And the Albertans have o- reduced overdoses by 45% through their model, and we need to study their model. They're holding a conference, in fact, in February in Calgary. I hope every city leader in Seattle has purchased their ticket. <laughs> Let's not reinvent a wheel. They have a working model. Go to Alberta. So you're saying this whole housing first thing is fundamentally flawed? Fundamentally flawed, should be abolished. It works for some, of course, but we're talking about this chronic street homeless, what we see in our parks, our sidewalks, people who cannot care for themselves. Um, I have family. Uh, we've you know, hospitalized for, for mental um, health crisis. They can't help themselves. We have, you know, if you know anything about addiction, um, we have to have some kind of facilitated and mandated treatment. Not saying incarceration forever. I'm saying arrest, stop the behavior, triage to treatment, mandate addiction treatment for all, and get people to a pathway of self-sufficiency so they can get a job and get a house. That's how humanity should work, is to elevate, empower, and help people reach their full potential instead of enabling to enabling them to slowly die by enabling their addiction through these failing harm reduction policies and failing free housing for life policies where now you know the percentage of people dying inside is just as bad as it is outside yeah you know? so is there anybody would you say there there are organizations or or politicians who are standing in the way of doing the right thing yeah I think that we there, you know, we here from Seattle, we always talk about there's just no political will. I think there is a shift in the air. I'm hearing, you know, Mayor Harrell say things like we've got to break up the open air drug scenes. Yes. I'm seeing my own clients that we're serving, you know, get arrested. They're spending some time in jail. They're coming out. <clears throat> they're asking for jobs. They're asking for treatment. They realize there is a shift in Seattle. Um, and it's humane to do anything other than a, a different direction is cruel. You know, I'm tired of seeing these folks in our parks and on our sidewalks with open scabs and feces around them and needles and drug paraphernalia and missing clothing. It's cruel to leave people in this state. Mm-hmm. But you're saying you're clean. saying jail works because most progressives are saying jail's the problem. Well, I mean, I was in a room full of people from all over North America for three full days and they were recovering addicts who every case, you know, a police officer story saved my life. Mm -hmm. I was arrested. I went to jail 
and my option to get out of jail was to go into treatment, inpatient and then outpatient. And it works. It saves people's lives. I'm not saying incarcerate forever, not saying that's the solution. I mean, if people are committing crimes, they should be arrested. I mean, that's what's happening in Seattle. Even the people that are getting free housing for life, they still have to face their addiction. And the only way they can afford their addiction is to steal, mm-hmm. retail theft, or prostitution, or uh, abuse a loved one. I mean, it's terrible. So is there, anybody, is there anybody on the Seattle City Council who agrees with you? Well, I've been trying to meet with everybody for two years, and I get snubbed. Really? So, they, wait, 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 wait. They don't even want to meet with you? I have, I have, we've, we had a big campaign to meet with every single council member, you know, well over a year ago, if not, not farther. Every single council member was invited to this, this dinner at the, the Washington Seattle, uh, excuse me, Washington Athletic Club, where we had, you know, dozens of people in from Canada who have a working model, maybe have a meeting with them, mm-hmm. you know, asked mayors from all over King County to attend. We had one mayor out of Normandy Park and a council member out of Normandy Park who came and council member Sarah Nelson, excuse me, absolutely council member Sarah Nelson, I believe actually bought herself a ticket to go to the um, recovery conference in in Calgary in a Mm -hmm. couple weeks. So I'm pleased to see her really addressing the addiction crisis facing our city. But nobody else? Nope. In fact, you know, uh, I've been told, you know, I've been disruptive. I'm, you know, going about things in a harmful way. Um, I do think that there is a a shift in the air, though, and it is grassroots organizations like We Heart Seattle and our group of volunteers who are galvanizing and speaking out and being loud about what we're seeing and what the truth is. And until we address addiction face on will never ever end homelessness on the streets of seattle Mm. are you one of those people who shows up at city council meetings and shouts at them i try to (laughs) um i actually have signed up multiple times for public comment Mm -hmm. especially on these king county regional housing authority meetings begged these folks to come into my office and meet our lived experience team our lived experience team is saying you put me inside an apartment and close the door and i I'm worse off than I was when I was in a tent. They don't want to hear something that's against their narrative. And why? Their... Why is that? Well, I, I mean, that's that's been my sense too. That they, for some reason, are worried about doing something that might work. I think it's just it's dogmatic, right? It's their ideology. It's what they've signed up to believe, and what the city of Seattle has signed on as a policy of housing first. And if you deviate from that, then you have to deviate and throw it all out the window. And I can't, I tried to read, read that $8 billion plan and it was garbage. It's garbage. And I'm the only people, well, the whole community is suffering. But meanwhile, our morgues are overflowing with dead bodies because of the overdose fentanyl, fentanyl overdoses on our streets. I mean, like, this is like, Blood on their hands. Take action now. Bring in the National Guard. I mean, everybody's been saying this for years and years and years. Every single fentanyl addict I meet on the street are like, I don't want to do this. I have remorse. Tears in their eyes. Crying out loud for help. They're not hiding. They're doing this in in full 
display for all to see, and we don't have a solution for them. Do you have the ear of the? Do you have the ear of the mayor? Not yet. And multiple meetings, request uh, him to attend our, our three day retreat um, to meet some of these folks that are are doing good things in their cities. Um, have not been able to land a meeting with the mayor, and um, in fact, I have been denied opportunities to volunteer with the mayor because I go to, I go and volunteer where the camps are because they have policies that say you're not supposed to go near the camp. You can't go within 20 feet. You can't go pick up the litter on the slope. Well, last I checked, the city of Seattle is built on seven hills <laughs> and all the garbage is around where all the campers are. So now we don't, we, we paralyzed ourselves. We've tied our own hands in our city policies and that's why we see the visible trash and homelessness everywhere. And our organization's the only ones doing anything about it. And we're doing it for free. Yeah. This seems strange to me because, uh, I mean, I'm, I, I have not met you. I haven't been to any of your events. But looking at your website, you seem pretty active. And you have a pretty dedicated volunteer corps that's picking up trash and getting rid of graffiti and uh, all those good things. So I'm a little puzzled that the even the mayor wouldn't meet with you so is there are you holding anything back from me is there some (laughs) hidden agenda that you're really trying to pursue here that uh, he finds toxic i promise you i am every i am take me at face value um two years ago there you know we are a city of activists right and the Mm -hmm. activists have the ear of our city council and the activists I'm talking those, the stop the sweeps people, Antifa, um, radicalized mutual aid volunteers who demonized me and have a online digital campaign saying, you know, I'm like the antichrist and I'm like flashing tents and throwing away homeless people's property. They've just threw me completely under the bus and kind of from that early on, opinion they had of me hit the ears of our city leadership and they've just kind of kept me at a 10 foot full length. Unfor- unfortunately, not all. I, I have a, you know, a, a positive relationship, of course, with the Seattle Police Department, our city council, or excuse me, our city attorney's office. Mm-hmm. Our, oh, so, Lee, um, so Lisa Mannion uh, thinks you're good? Yeah, yeah. She's, okay. I've met with her several times. She's been in Belltown where I live and have offices and she thinks what we're doing was good work. Um, I believe council member Dan Strauss, after telling me to stay out of Ballard for, because I was being disruptive. This was a, about a year ago. Um, and by disruptive, it was because I was going in and getting people indoors into treatment and cleaning up the trash while their very long drawn out plan was to close down Ballard commons, which eventually did happen. Mm-hmm. He said on record at some community meeting somewhat recently that, Oh yeah, I know we heard they're doing good things, you know, well, good, but, it's, you know, I'm a disruptor and I'm not probably, my tongue's not tied. And when I go in and say, I just picked up 20,000 needles at McLean Trail on the top of Queen Anne, and I publicly post them on my social media page and make noise about it, and I'm in the news all the time, you know, it's, I guess is you know, embarrassing. I don't know. I, I don't say I don't like our council. I don't say that mm-hmm. I, I you don't I'm use you don't dead. use swear words, do you? No, I have begged Mark Jones, please come to my office and meet me, and let's go mm. for a walk in a camp. He's the head of the regional authority. He he is not. Yeah. Uh, he has not taken you up on that, huh? Not once, and I mean, just 
I finally had Dale Constantine's office. Actually, Dale Constantine came out and did a litter pick with us in West Seattle. He did. And, yep, and he came out, he put a Twitter out there, his people put a tweet out there, and, you know, unfortunately, like 80% of it was, oh, you're working with a, a Nazi group, fascist. You know, we're, we're, if you're pro-public safety in Seattle, you're automatically, you know, a fascist or something worse than that. I don't even want to say it on the radio. I don't even want to give power to it. But it's ridiculous. And, I mean, you're talking like 80% of society, if not 90%, want public safety. So I'm just out there trying to, you know, inspire more volunteerism, volunteerism and civic engagement as a form of direct action strategy like Antifa do and the Stop the Sweeps people do. You know, they throw crap over freeways and yeah. graffiti our city and blow up cop cars. And my strategy is to pick up the trash and say, come on, city of Seattle, clean up the city. So how quickly do you think if, if the city did the right thing as you see the right thing, how long would it take to see the tents disappear? I, well, the tents have largely disappeared downtown, so that goal was met. Unfortunately, they're now in 4th Avenue in Soto or in, back into the, the slopes of our parks and Ballard and Georgetown and everywhere else. And some people just skedaddled. They've seen that Seattle is no longer tolerating this sort of open-air drug scene, street camping. So, you know, people do go home. I, I hear that all the time. Oh, well, yeah, I guess I'll go back down to Spanaway or up to Blaine. Or I'm like, bye, you know, need a plane <laughs> ticket. Um, but um, we do spend a, a good portion of our donations on reconnecting people with family. And it's actually very heartwarming what we do. Yeah. We, we, we're, we're, we love reconnecting people with family. Um, but I think in a matter of months, if we had the political will, we could we could retrofit some of these big empty buildings. We could bring in some. We could turn Lumen Field into a detox center for a month. We just got to get people off fentanyl, period. Mm-hmm. And then we can actually work with the schizophrenia. We can work with the with the highly, you know, uh, the folks that are are uh, need have untreated mental illness on our streets can't even prioritize those folks right now because we have all this chaos with fentanyl. I don't, I don't even find needles anymore. Of course, I, I yeah. only see the fentanyl foil. Well, they're trying to address like, it by cutting off the supply of fentanyl. Well, I mean, that's, that would be the prevention part of our model, prevention, then intervention, then yeah. treatment, then recovery. But um, drugs have been around since the beginning of time. I think it's just a matter of managing them. And um, there's models out there, like in the Netherlands and Portugal. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings about what Portugal uh, did, and Alberta is following that same model, which it kind of becomes like a social pressure. It's like, ew, you're doing drugs, much like we did with the cigarette industry. Yeah. Like, oh, you smoke? Ew. You, you know, oh, you smell. You're close and I like smoke. I don't like smoke. I don't, you know, go away over there to smoke. Um, and Portugal has a multi-pronged approach to helping people reintegrate into society to be productive, to get back to work. And you got to be sober to do that. And why our agenda, our larger North America recovers organization is not for the safe injection sites and safe supply. People are still high, right? I mean, yeah, right. they can't function if you're high. Well, I think the so, idea is there, there's a philosophy that says if you – if you force people to uh, 
to wean themselves of their drug habit, you're being you're being judgmental. You're exercising undue power over them. Now, right. These, these are some of the criticisms I've had from those folks I was mentioning earlier that have the ear of our leaders. Oh, Andrea is, you know, judging or shaming or stigmatizing the homeless by, you know, showing all these thousands of needles she picked up on any given weekend. I'm like, so they didn't like that. They, mm-hmm. the, the opposition doesn't like that. I'm talking about the addiction and my friends who are addicts in recovery, who I workshopped with for three days said me being stigmatized and shamed and to feel guilty, how I terrorized my community and my family was what saved my life. And I think this anti-stigmatizing and, and all of that, I mean, we can't hide the problem anymore. I would get in trouble for taking a picture of a tent in mm-hmm. a park. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, that's somebody's home. Okay. Yes, it is. Let's get them a real home instead of leaving them there to languish and die and be crawled all over by rats all night long. I mean, I've seen many dead bodies, David. This is, this is my, my volunteers in Ballard found two dead bodies at Gilman's playground in a honey bucket two in six wow. months in a honey bucket in a honey every bucket? day in the honey bucket. And then I, my team and I found a, a young man in Kinnear park about a month ago that was confined to a wheelchair. He never would accept help. And of course we can't take people against their will. Yeah. So guess what? I found him flat down and sadly, um, who knows how long he was there, but you know, uh, to me, that is just so cruel. So let me just make sure I heard you right. You said if we did things the right way, as you recommend, it would be a matter of months before the tents would be gone. Correct. I believe strongly that a state of emergency-like response, like we did for COVID, this is a disease of addiction harming our communities and killing people at a tune of a hundred and what 10,000 people this last year, a year, um, get them off of opioids period. Let's set up medical treatment centers now. And we've, we showed we could do it during nine 11. We've shown it during Katrina. We've shown it during COVID find a stadium, find some space and bring in, you know, doctors without borders, nurse practitioners, um, recovery ranch type style and a pathway out a pathway out and we can do it we can do it quickly if we treat this like the emergency we've all declared it to be look at what we did with covid just right there say no more Hmm. andrea suarez andrea suarez we heart seattle andrea thank you very much you're very welcome thanks for having me on Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.